Hello and welcome to Mission Life. My name is Jeff. Thank you for listening. This podcast is all about learning how to live on mission every day. To do this, I interview practitioners, people putting their faith into action. Here's a question for you. How confident are you to engage people of different faiths and cultures? What I have found in my experience is that sometimes we're afraid, we're unsure of how to go about it. Whether it's Muslims, Hindus, or just the neighbor across the street, we could all use a little encouragement to step out and share Christ. That's why I recently interviewed Brian and Crystal. They are a young couple serving refugees in Germany. You're really going to enjoy this conversation. They share wonderful insights, tips, and encouragement from their experience for how to engage people all around us, no matter where they come from or what they believe. So let's listen in. Thank you uh, for being here. It's good to be here. It's great to be here. Thank you, Jeff. So tell us a little bit. Uh, you have been in Hamburg. Um, you've been in several countries. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing, what your your goal there is in Hamburg, mm-hmm. Germany. So in Hamburg, we are working among Persian immigrants. And that word Persian just means people from the region of Iran, Afghanistan, some people in Uzbekistan or Tajikistan. And so some people still get a little confused about, okay, where is that and who are those people? We can go back into the Bible and look. So King Darius, that is a Persian. And so the Bible is really full of a great deal of Persians, and the Persian culture has been around for a long, long, long time. So that's who we're called to work with, Persian immigrants to Hamburg. And for those of you who might know us, we spent some time here in the Atlanta area working among immigrants as well. So our work there is feels like an extension of what our life was like in the Atlanta area working among refugees and immigrants. I'm always curious when people come back for a visit back to the States, what are some things that they notice or they remember? Uh, so having been back here for, what, about a month? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what would you say are some things that you've noticed or have stood out to you? Um, things are like parking spaces are really big and um, stores, grocery stores specifically, are really loud. There's a lot of music and everything is really kind of spread far apart. Um, Europe, everything's quite compact and they're very, um, what word am I looking for? Well, it's just dense. People live yeah. on top of each other. The, the population density is a lot greater yeah. than here Parking in the States. Parking spaces are very, very narrow. and just, Cars are yeah. big here. and Yeah, yeah. yeah so. We spend a lot of our time walking and so that feels weird to be in the car all the time. Yeah, we'd been in the States about a week, and I told Crystal, I'm tired of driving. Yeah. I'm tired of driving. Yeah. Can I get on a bus? Can I get on a train? Yeah, so. so that's been weird. Mm-hmm. But it's been great. It's been great it's to nice connect. It's nice to be warm. It's um, nice to Humberg connect is, with family. It's cold, so it's, yeah. And it is good to spend time with our parents and stuff. So Yeah, and to connect with our home fellowship has been great as well. Yeah. yeah. So we've gotten into the habit of using the word fellowship. I just said it, our home fellowship. And just because we tried to break the habit of using the church word, in uh, working with um, Muslims and working in Central Asia, avoiding that word can sometimes be helpful. So we'll slip into this habit of saying fellowship. We're going to this fellowship. We're going to that fellowship. We're talking to that fellowship or our home fellowship. So if we slip into that habit, we just mean church. Mm-hmm. Well, you both were active in ministry here in Atlanta. Uh, you came out of our church, Dunwoody Baptist Church. You had a great situation here, had great mm-hmm. jobs. Mm-hmm. You're raising two young children here. And so 
Germany itself sounds okay. Yeah, I could. You know, a lot of people could say I could live in Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to do the work you're doing mm-hmm. uh, with the people that you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, your ministry to who God has called you to, right. why why leave a good situation mm-hmm. here? You know, there are refugees here in Atlanta. There are mm-hmm. refugees all over. Why 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 leave here? I think it's a great question, and the answer for me has always been turn. I turn it around and say, why not? And I felt um, convicted that. I was equipped and trained and had a desire and the physical ability to do it, then what right did I have to say no and not to do it? Uh, America is is uh, wealthy in terms of trained uh, ministers and equipped lay leaders and folks who have incredible knowledge about the gospel. Um, but if there's only a subset of those here in America who are willing to go and have the desire to go and even the physical ability and the financial ability to go. And if Crystal and I are among that small subset and we say no, then I felt like that was being incredibly disobedient. Well, and we also felt very strongly that we wanted God to show us if we were supposed to stay, that we would be still impacting the nations and actively engaging people to share Jesus with them if we were going to stay here and that that needed to be very clear to us. And God was very clear that there were people who could do our jobs here and that he had a plan for us overseas that he specifically asked the two of us to do. Yeah, and I think that it's important for us to to share that being in the States is a valid place to be and and working among people here who need to know who he is is a very valid calling and we think that as believers we're all called you know to bring about the bring about god's kingdom and to participate in the great commission so it's not about where we are in the sense of should i be in atlanta should i be there we felt as being obedient to go just like we think it's a very valid calling to be here and stay if you're doing what god's called you to do then we're all walking in obedience is that something that you both came to at the same time, or was there? I think God has been extremely gracious to us because um, He really began turning my heart over and over, just saying something new is coming. Um, even though I never told Brian that that was in my heart, I didn't really know what it meant at the time. We knew when we married that both of us had an extreme love for missions, that we wanted to be on the mission field, and God had not sent us yet. And so when Brian came to me and said, Crystal, I really feel like the time is now. And God has said, go. And if we don't go now, we're being disobedient. I was ready to go because God had already been working in my heart to say, I'm doing something new and you need to wait until Brian. God was using a family here at the church to to push us, I think. And what happened was this family came to me and said, we wonder if we are not called to go back to our home country. They were immigrants here themselves. And they said, we don't know. Maybe God is telling us we should go back to our home country because our home country is a place of great darkness. Would you help us investigate options? So as I was sitting at the computer and Googling options for this other couple about going back to their home country, I just felt this overwhelming sense that God is saying, no, it's you. It's time for you to go. And it was shortly after that that we... Uh, engaged our mission sending agency, and we talked to to Jeff here at the church and told him what God was doing in our life. And and really from that moment until we arrived for training was about a year and a half. It, God moved the process fairly quickly. 
let's talk a little bit about the experience of that um, because the number one inhibitor I, I have run across personally and mm-hmm. just in ministry is fear. Mm-hmm. And whether it's engaging Muslims or just your neighbor mm-hmm. next door, but there's a fear, a hesitation. Mm-hmm. We might say, well, I'm just not equipped or I'm not, the, you know, I'm not Brian and Crystal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not a missionary or mm-hmm. I don't have the right training or skills. For me, at least it comes down to that issue of fear. Yeah, one, of, one of the, um, one of my favorite things that we learned in training was an expression called uh, 20 seconds of boldness. And the idea there is that if I'm going to engage my neighbor or a stranger in the mall or anyone, there, there requires a degree of boldness. But what is not required, I'm, I'm not required to be bold for 30 minutes. I'm not required to be bold for a whole hour. I'm just required to be bold for 20 seconds to, to make that initial hello. How are you? My name is Brian. That requires a little bit of boldness, okay? But that passes very quickly. Either that person is going to shoot you down and walk away and tell you they don't have a conversation with you, or what's more likely to happen is they're going to engage you and they're going to be friendly. And that's that's the Muslim neighbor. That's your white Caucasian neighbor. That's your African-American neighbor. That's the case. It's 20 seconds of boldness. So I've kept that tucked away in the back of my mind when I'm riding a train in Hamburg and I hear someone speaking the same dialect that I learned from Persian, I just need 20 seconds of boldness to say, hello, my name is Brian and I speak your language. It's 20 seconds of boldness that you need to say, hey, I'm your neighbor. I noticed that you got a beautiful lawn. What do you do to make it green? Mm-hmm. Whatever that is, it's 20 seconds of boldness. And then from there, the fear does go away and then a relationship can be built. And I think Crystal and I, have experienced, you know, places of great fear. And I think that's where we also have to rely on the Holy Spirit. We have to rely on what he's doing in our lives that's um, that's equipped us and brought us to this point to get past some of that fear. And, and, and I don't want to just make this a simple conversation about you know, fear of talking to someone. Some of you might have legitimate fear of of your Muslim neighbors and of the the changing demographics of the U.S. and and those are valid valid fears. But we do believe that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, and at the same time, God didn't promise us safety and He didn't promise us wealth and health that sometimes we attach to the gospel message. We we. We've perverted the American dream with the gospel message that I'm going to be wealthy and I'm going to have health and my children are going to be beautiful and they're going to all become Tom Brady. And (laughs) that's just not what the gospel says to us. Um, And I would challenge, I challenge myself when I'm in, in Germany and I'm challenge, I challenge you that isn't it possible that God has moved people from the nations where they are so, so, so very dark into a place where they can have an exposure to light. And so what, what is my part in that? What is your part in that to befriend someone, to slowly build a relationship with them to the point that perhaps one day you do get to share some of the good news? And, and I think that's our yeah. experience. And I think something that um, is humbling for me to remember is that we are all enemies of God before Jesus came and that Jesus saved me out of my sin and darkness. And God loves them equally and as passionately and desires for them to have a relationship with him. And if I was an enemy of God and he saved me and brought me to him, 
they are no different and they deserve the knowledge and the grace and the love that I have. And I, I just keep thinking over and over and over, especially with the Muslim women that I come in contact with is, um, they're, they're immigrants and they're, they're refugees or asylum seekers or whatever. And they may not have very much hope about their future. And I, have the privilege of knowing what their hope could be and why would I hold that back from them? And so I think that God has done a great work in my own life of softening my heart toward them. And that may be a prayer that people just, maybe the first step they need to take is not engaging their Muslim neighbor, but asking God for a compassionate heart toward Muslims. And maybe that's the first step that they need to take is just praying, God, help me Help me see them through your eyes. Help me see them with compassion. Help me see them for who they are, which is simply lost without a Savior. And when we begin to see people in that realm, it changes our attitude of, um, like Brian said, then we're able to have the 20 seconds of boldness to engage them and say, I see you as my neighbor, not as someone who could potentially hurt me. Because the percentages of them being and extremists are fairly low. I mean, it's like us engaging people in Germany and them saying, well, I will never go to the U.S. because they have tornadoes there. Well, they're not everywhere, and a tornado is not going to get you if you go to Disney World. (laughs) And so I think that if we can see it in that kind of a perspective of, you know, can can God help us put our, our fears in perspective? Can he help us wade through and face some of that with him and wade through it with him and then ask him, will you bring me someone to engage that I can have a friendship with that can give me some right perspective? God is extremely faithful to do that. He has done that for us over and over and over. And it's not because we're so great at what we do. It's because God is good and big and has a plan for them. I want to take a break in the podcast just to let you know about a resource that you might find helpful. It's called A Wind in the House of Islam. It's a fantastic book. The author traveled over 250,000 miles and interviewed over a thousand Muslim background believers to get their stories, to get their advice, to learn how God is moving in Muslim countries among Muslim people groups. A Wind in the House of Islam. Check it out. Jeff, you mentioned the new mosque in Dunwoody, and I'm actually encouraged by the story that I've heard that the imam has really sought a relationship by gifting you with a cake during one of the holy days of of Islam. Mm-hmm. That's a great, great encouragement to me. Nothing to be fearful of in my mind. It's a great encouragement because he is showing respect not only for you as one of the leaders here of the church, but the church itself. And so by him bringing that cake to the church for the staff members of the church to join them in celebrating this holy day is a wonderful sign that he wants a relationship, that there is respect for you personally and and for the church. So my encouragement is to reciprocate that Mm -hmm. and to show him that kind of respect as well. And it's from that point that great you know, dialogue and relationship can happen. So I don't look at that as a negative thing at all. I look at that as a great opportunity for 
uh, some of the believers here at Dunwoody to engage that particular mosque. I think something else we have to remember, too, is Muslims, um, you know, they're just as lost and deceived as someone who has never heard the gospel before. And God is very clear in his word that the light is greater than the darkness. And we are we are reflecting the light. Um, if, if you look at it in the perspective of God's word, like Brian said earlier, we really don't need to give in to the fear. We don't have a spirit of fear. We we have the Holy Spirit in us, and he does the work, not us. Hey, Krista's got a great story about when, when we were living in Central Asia about this idea of sharing cake with your neighbor and the reci- uh, yeah. reciprocity and what can and can happen and what should happen and what does happen and doesn't happen. Yeah. So let Crystal tell you this so story. So my, um, my, we had a housemate. Um, we lived in a house with another family and we lived on a street and our street was gated and we each had our own gate. And so we, um, went across the street to the gate directly across from us and we brought a gift of cake with us and we were going to visit this family and hopefully engage the mother, the woman in a relationship. And, you know, this is our neighbor. This is somebody that we live with on this street. And um, so she was very polite and very, wasn't warm. It was kind of a cold reception, but she was very polite to us. And then, um, you know, so we left the plate there with the cake and, um, the Central Asian tradition would have been for her to return the visit with the dish with her own cake on it so that she was not returning the dish empty. Okay. And um, it wasn't. Tradition. Yeah, yes. yeah, I know. Great tradition. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so um, about a week goes by and there was a knock on the gate and our guard returned her plate empty. Mm. And said, the guard from across the street, or the servant, or whatever you want to call it, returned this plate to you. She was just returning the plate. Well, this was kind of a big deal because the woman did not return the visit, which is kind of a slap in the face. She used her servant to return the dish, which was also communicating to us, I don't want to have a relationship with you. And then the third thing was she returned the plate empty with nothing on it, which was a very big sign to us that she was saying, I want nothing to do with you. And it was a moment of realization that this woman and her family and her husband had no desire to ever have a relationship with us. In fact, they were communicating through this gesture that they were unhappy that we were in their neighborhood and that they had, they had a lot of prejudice against us. And it was quite a lonely existence sometimes on that street because None of the women, the local women on that street, ever reached out to us and had a relationship with us, even though we reached out to them um, continually. And so I think about that here, and I think I would never want a woman, specifically a Muslim woman, moving into my neighborhood to feel like I didn't want her there. Because I remember what that felt like in that Central Asian context to be sort of to be the foreigner. Brushed aside. Yeah. And this attitude of, I don't trust you, I don't know you, and I don't want to have anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, I don't have any ill intentions toward these people. Um, and so I think the majority of women that move into these environments in Dunwoody or wherever it is, they don't have ill intentions. They're just trying to raise their children and live their lives. And so our love toward them would speak volumes did you have any further interaction with her? Did you no, see her no, no. About? no. Okay. 
Yeah. That was and the when, end of it. When you live in the gated kind of communities that we lived in, it really was hard to just kind of see them out and about. You don't see them cleaning their yard. They didn't see us cleaning our yard. So you had to be intentional about these kind of relationships. So so that didn't happen. So that's why I'm encouraged by this gift mm-hmm. and this offer um, from this imam, from the mosque here in Dunway. That's encouraging to me. Yeah. When you touch on something there, I think it's uh, very relevant. Uh, there's a cultural hesitation, too. Mm-hmm. You recognize these are different cultures. Mm-hmm. And, and what's appropriate? And what do I do? And right. what do I say? Mm-hmm. And uh, they dress differently, talk mm-hmm. differently, mm-hmm. obviously come from other cultures. So you've touched on something there. Um, uh, and even the cake, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't celebrate Easter that way. I don't That's, know right. That. Right. That's right. It, but it made me think maybe we should. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think it's also important to recognize that yeah, it is a different culture, and we don't know the culture, and it's okay to make mistakes. Yeah. And that's that's part of the fun of this relationship building and the process of building a relationship is laughing your way through yeah. some of these mistakes. Yeah. We've made plenty of those kinds of mistakes. And if you begin to engage uh, different cultures here in the U.S., you are going to make mistakes. But guess what? They're going to make mistakes, too. Mm-hmm. They don't know the American culture. It's part of your job. I look at it as to help them learn the American culture. Mm-hmm. And so things like inviting um, an international student to your home over Thanksgiving. That seems so simple, but what does that go a long way? And with the kinds of universities that are in our major cities, particularly here in Atlanta, how easy is it to find an international student who has nowhere to go over the Thanksgiving weekend, invite one or two to join your family? That's a pretty simple thing, but it goes a long way to teaching them our culture and to showing them how does a Christian family live how does a christian family interact with one another i think brian touched on something or like you saying we don't celebrate easter that way maybe we should or something like that i that i don't think any of them would be offended if you said our family is celebrating christmas eve and we would love for you to join us or our family is celebrating easter because they view holidays as a time to visit and interact with people and so there would be nothing wrong with inviting them into your family culture at any point um they they would i believe they would welcome even if they don't accept right away just continue to ask don't um you know walk away from engaging them um something i've loved doing and this sounds so simple is i've loved sharing with some of my central asian friends about american football they have no idea the mm-hmm. rules of American football and just inviting someone over to watch an American football game with me and walk them through the rules. And, you know, now that they've put that magic yellow line or orange yeah. line on the field to show you the first down, you know, location, it makes it so much easier to explain the game of football. That has been a real just fun. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going right. to be watching football. Why not invite the neighbor yeah. over who knows nothing about American football? Hang out and for a couple a of hours. And it's a very relaxed environment. They yeah. get to see your family in your home and interacting husband-wife together, which those relationships can be different in Muslim contexts. So it's good for them to see a believing family interacting. Mm. Something yeah. I love to do is sew. It's also a way I connect with women. It's a very relaxed environment. There's no agenda. We just get together and we do this activity that we both like and leads into conversation naturally and so there's really not any thing that I feel like I have to prepare for I just ask the Holy Spirit you just lead the conversation and if there's something you feel I need to say then I'll say it and yeah and I think it's important to know that you don't have to go into this activity whether it be Thanksgiving at your home or a football game or a sewing with this okay 
I have to share the gospel today, mm-hmm. and I've got to get point A, B, and C across. And if I don't get that across, then I'm a complete and total failure. And I reject that kind of thinking. Yeah. I just think that, no, it's perfectly okay for you to begin building a relationship. If the Holy Spirit prompts you to share something, by all means, share it. You absolutely should. If it's not the right moment, pray that God would give you another moment or another time to build a deeper relationship. My my experience and what I think will happen is as you build that relationship and they begin to trust you, they're much more willing to listen yeah. to you when you begin telling them something of great value. So don't put that kind of pressure on yourself that if I don't share the gospel this first time, then I'm a failure. Absolutely right. not. N- in no way. Begin just building that relationship. I don't want to leave you with the idea, though, that I don't think sharing the gospel is not important. Of yes. course <laughs> is important. That's the main thing. But don't have the pressure on yourself that in the first five minutes of the conversation, right. in fact, I would think, you know, and especially with those coming from a Muslim background, it just takes longer. Yeah. And I think something that we've learned the more and more that we do this is just being yourself and being natural and doing what you do on a daily basis is extremely important. And if you do have the chance to invite a family into your home or spend time with someone and praying over your meal is something that you would do, go ahead and do that. Don't feel like you should shy away from that. Just explain, we pray before we eat, and that's what we're going to do right now. Because if you were in their home and they serve you a meal, they will do the same thing. And so there's no reason for you to feel like, oh, I don't want to offend them. They're not going to be offended. They're going to be grateful that you're who you are. And so I think that's something else that if we could encourage um, people here, even ourselves, is to just always just be who you are. It's it's okay. We have a great story that we had our, we're in Germany and we have neighbors above us and they've got kids are about the same age as our kids. And so we had invited the kids down for a play date and it was after school or even on the weekend. And so it was time to have some dinner. So we just threw some pizzas in the oven and we were giving the kids pizza for dinner. But before we ate, we told the kids that our family practice and our tradition is that we pray and we thank God for our food. And so we did. And at the end of the prayer, the young boy, he said in German, we understood what he said. He said, in my whole life, that has never happened. So here's a nine year old. Yeah. Nobody's ever prayed over him or for him before. Wow. And that's just part of our family culture. It's what we do. And, and so, so you better know that he probably went home and told his yeah. parents, you will not believe what that family does downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> but again, we're, so our encouragement is be who you are yeah. and just reach those around you. And, right. and this shouldn't be something that, that should be, oh, today's my day to do outreach. It's yeah. a part of your life. You go to, you go to baseball with your kids and there's folks there that either you don't know or you just know a little bit. And maybe they're Americans. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're immigrants. Our encouragement is just as you live your life, as you go about, I think the way if we interpret what the um, um, Great Commission says, you know, it says go, but I, I think literally it says as you are going. So as you're going about your daily life, as you're going to work, as you're going shopping, this is how you go about making uh, disciples and making believers is just sharing who you are. So mm-hmm. if we can build this mindset as to, it's who I am and what I'm doing and not something I have to set aside time to do. We'll, we can wrap our heads around it differently. Something yeah. that we've, <clears throat> that really drives us now more than anything to is just praying, um, keeping an attitude of prayer. God, 
you put in my path today who you need me to be loving toward, who you need me to be gentle toward, who I need to speak words to, um, bring people to my mind to pray for, put, you know, a relationship in Brian's path today, maybe that he needs to disciple or, and so I think as you go about your life, yeah, going to baseball, going to grocery shop, um, waiting in the doctor's office, you know, things like that, just asking God, who do you, who do you want me to speak to today? If anybody, maybe it's just God prompts the woman sitting next to you at the doctor's office. God says, pray for her, pray for her. And maybe what you don't know is that there is a believer in her life and that she needs to listen to. And it's not you, but you need to be praying for her heart to be open. You just, I think, um, going through your day with a more prayerful awareness of just show me how I need to be you today. How do I need to love people today? And sometimes you're going to be called upon to speak. And that's the 20 seconds of boldness. Yeah. And this brings me back to your earlier question. What have we noticed about America being here? Americans are typically friendly and in the South, it may be even more so. And so, you know, you're, you're greeted and, and the person checking you out, you can even have a little conversation with them at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. We were doing a little shopping yesterday and that was the case. The woman I was paying for some blue jeans that we were buying for the kids and, you know, she just chatted us up and she was friendly. I would just encourage you to, to remember that, that mm-hmm. you have that privilege as being an American to, to, to speak and to say kind words, to yeah. hold the door open for someone. That just doesn't happen around the world. So yeah. take advantage of those opportunities to show kindness. You never Especially know. Especially yeah. toward a Muslim person who already probably has experienced a great deal of mm-hmm. prejudice. And mm-hmm. so if you hold a door open for a woman that's covered, she's going to feel honored, honored or respected. and respected. Yeah. And she's going to notice. Yes. Absolutely. So I, I, I guess my encouragement to you as Americans and as Southerners in particular, just be who you are. Continue yeah. being who you be are. Be nice. Just continue <laughs> being nice. It, it just goes a it long matters. way. It, it matters. It really matters. Yeah. Wasn't that a great conversation? I just love Brian and Crystal. I especially love some of the tips they gave us. Uh, remember, 20 seconds of boldness. That one stands out to me. And then the encouragement they gave us to not be afraid, to realize that there's fear and misunderstanding on both sides, Muslim to Christian and Christian to Muslim. So our real challenge, I think, as Christians is to be peacemakers, to truly love our neighbors, no matter where they come from or what they believe or what our preconceived notions about them might be. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I know I certainly did. Check us out again on Mission Life for part two of of this interview with Brian and Crystal as they continue to share insights from their experience. I sure do appreciate you listening to Mission Life. Check out my website at jeffreams.com as I post these episodes there along with a, a few brief notes from each interview. Thank you for listening to Mission Life.